Hey everybody, Dave Hodges here. Thanks for staying with us for the intro session. And uh, we are now in our guest segment. Just wanted to mention real quickly here that uh, we are brought to you by waterwithdave.com. And what's that? Way to purify your water. And if you got enough water <laughs> workers that aren't going to the treatment plants, folks, and they've walked off the job, you're going to have to take care of everything yourself. And they tell you the whole story at waterwithdave.com, 40% off sale. Also, too, we're going to dispense with the rest of the ads for this particular broadcast because we need to get right to it with Mike Adams. And he's graciously joined us to talk about uh, the NCAA tournament. No, no, that's right. We're going to talk about the coronavirus that canceled the NCAA tournament. Sorry for the sarcasm there, Mike. But I'm mentally worn out with all that's going on and all the lies we're being told. Help us make sense out of what's going on. Welcome to the show. And please, remove our ignorance from our eyes, please. Well, thank you for having me on, Dave. Um, and look, just, just as background context, you know, I've been covering this for six weeks uh, plus, as you have. Uh, I've created a, a pandemic projection model, which is a, yes. a spreadsheet with very good math in it. It's been downloaded by thousands of people. You can, you can change the variables and you can, you can try out different scenarios yourself. And that's from naturalnews.com. You can find it there. Now, the reason I mention that is because I've been using this internally to make projections. And the projections have been incredibly accurate for six weeks. And the projections were heavily resisted by a lot of individuals, including other hosts at InfoWars, where I've been a, a constant guest. And there's quite a bit of conflict, uh, well, at least until recently, where I would project something. I would say, oh, well, Trump, Trump's going to declare a national emergency. Trump's going to have to shut down domestic flights. And then there, there would be backlash from pro-Trump people or conservatives who say, no, this is no big deal. It's just a giant media hoax. Or people would quote Rush Limbaugh, who I have to say, Dave, Rush Limbaugh is uh, scientifically illiterate, and he does not know what he's talking about. And uh, he's been telling people it's just the flu. And it's very bad, very dangerous disinfo from Rush Limbaugh. Mm -hmm. And so I have been, uh, up until the last couple days, I've been really kind of viciously attacked by conservatives and Trump supporters who are saying that somehow I'm trying to harm Trump. No, I'm trying to help Trump save his presidency and save America because if he does not get on top of this, he's over. It's It's done. He will not win election unless he beats this uh, pandemic situation. And he started to turn the corner. That's the good news. So he blocked flights from Europe, and he's about to declare a national emergency, according to the media. So, you know, seven days ago when I said that, everybody was like, oh, you're crazy. Now it's the headline on Drudge. <laughs> so um, I've been, you know, consistently one, two, three, four weeks ahead of where the media is. I was, I was the one who actually projected – 3.3 uh, 3 million possible deaths in the USA. Uh, that that was a big announcement on Infowars weeks ago. Now today, the CDC is projecting 1.7 million deaths. The DOD is projecting possibly 3.3 3 million deaths. Um, uh, American Hospital Association doctor is projecting 96 million hospitalizations and and uh, what what 4.8 million deaths I believe is that no I'm sorry 96 million infections. 4.8 million hospitalizations and half a million deaths. So uh, the, the point is that we're not talking small numbers here anymore. And I'm not the only voice saying this. There are going to be millions of Americans infected. And depending on how we handle this over the next 
eight weeks, there may be millions of Americans dead, or if we take aggressive action, we could reduce that number to just thousands or tens of thousands. That would be the best case. So that's My, where we are, Dave. Once we get it, once we contract the, the illness, there's really not much you can do other than just isolate and do the usual stuff you do for flu. I, I think going into it, you need to build up your immune system, vitamin C, you know, and, and uh, you know, what is it, uh, D3, K2 kind of stuff, astragalus. But other than that, is there anything that people can do once they get it? Well, absolutely. You can get very aggressive with complementary medicine therapies now with the disclaimer that so far nothing has been proven to treat the coronavirus infection because it's so new. So there's no drug, there's no vaccine, there's nothing, there's no herb that's been proven, nothing. However, we know a lot from the world of independent medicine or natural medicine. So let me tell you what I would do, just my personal regimen. If I were infected, number one, I would go to a clinic and I would have vitamin C IV therapy of 50,000 milligrams or 100,000 milligrams of vitamin C put directly into my bloodstream. Secondly, I would inhale colloidal silver vapor. Now, I can't recommend anybody else do that, but that's exactly what I would do. I would have a, I would use a nasal irrigator. I would have colloidal silver in the irrigator, and I would, I would irrigate my sinuses, and I would inhale it into my lungs. Because we're talking life or death here, you know, you got to go to emergency medicine. I'd be slamming elderberry, I'd be slamming oral vitamin C, I'd be taking antiviral herbs, everything I could think of, licorice root, spirulina, echinacea, of course vitamin D, of course zinc, uh, magnesium, you know, all these other things that are antivirals, and I would be doing that very, very aggressively. That's what I would do. Now, the average American just believes the big pharma propaganda on mainstream media, so they will do nothing. And that's why the death rate is higher than it needs to be. You know, if, and, and by the way, members of Congress, here's a prediction. I haven't had time to write it up yet. Members of Congress will be infected and killed by the coronavirus. You can bank on it. It's going to happen. The uh, mayor of Miami just confirmed infected. The president of Brazil is now reported as being infected, and he met with Trump a few days ago. Trump may be infected right now. Uh, Trump may survive it. He's, he's got a strong you know, health uh, body, he, he, he's stronger than most people in terms of his health. But he's probably going to get exposed and many, many members of the Senate and Congress will be exposed. And look at the age. Look, look at the age of Nancy Pelosi and, and Feinstein and Lindsey Graham and all these people. You know, this is the problem with not having term limits is we have all these dinosaur zombies running the Senate. <laughs> and the, no, seriously, a lot of them are, are about to be uh, infected. I mean, Joe Biden, you know, he's an Alzheimer's patient and he's their their nominee. So things are about to get real crazy. Uh, I think they already have. Um, and I think that Congress could get infected at a higher rate than the general population if they're running for election. I'm talking about yes. the ones that are up, like the House and one third of the Senate. No um, question. I think that they're really at risk. Is this airborne, Mike? Absolutely it is. Uh, in fact, we published an article this morning that cites a study that shows that it's airborne. And, and Let me tell you what I've learned. Yeah. FBI to NIH, FBI source really well known to me. Their NIH source is a former compadre in another venture. And the CDC traveling incognito has gone to Australia to answer two questions. One, because they don't want the people to know the CDC is there. One, why 
is the warm weather in Australia not dissipating the virus, lessening uh -huh. the, the part of it. Number two, they want to know if it's airborne. They want to conduct actual experiments in secret. And that's why they're well, not traveling under, uh, in other words, they went commercial and they did not travel under CDC paperwork. So the, the way we already know it's airborne, even before the science came out, is it's been spreading all over airplanes and cruise ships and enclosed vehicles where people don't necessarily touch and share surfaces. It's been spreading through the air. So on the Diamond Princess cruise ship, once passengers were all quarantined in their rooms, what was the one thing they shared? Oh, air circulation. And that's how it was happening. So, you know, there's been a lot of denialism out there, even in the realm of, of science and medicine, saying, oh, we don't know it's airborne or it's just the flu. Come on. If it were just the flu, the whole world wouldn't be shutting down, for one thing. We wouldn't be in a massive state of emergency. Hospitals wouldn't be overrun in northern Italy as they are right now. It's basically – northern Italy is, is experiencing something they haven't seen since World War II. Okay? We're talking triage. We're talking patients in the lobbies and the hallways. The hospitals just flooded. Doctors crying, literally crying, begging God to, to save people. And triage, where – if you are older than 60, they don't even try to save you in many cases. You don't get intubated. You don't get the help because they, they, don't, they have limited supply. So we're talking about life and death decisions. And the reason that's happening in Italy is because Italy waited too late just like America did. So America will become Italy, or at least parts of America, specifically New York City and Seattle, Northern California and Boston, in about two, three weeks. It's going to be what, hell. That's what I'm getting out of Italy. I've got a uh, a guy I've worked basketball camps with from Italy. He was FIBA as a coach, and he's in Milan. And uh, what he is saying there, he wrote, he was he did not know if his communication was going to get out. So apparently, they are not yet censoring uh, information coming out. And let me read to you what he sent me. Very brief. Dave, I'm writing to you from Italy. I'm in Milan. I'm at the heart of the coronavirus settings. I hope you're doing well. Pray for the health of your family. So far, we're okay. The news media in the U.S., as I followed it, is not capturing the severity of what is happening here. I am writing this post to you uh, because not the government, not the school districts, not the mayor, each individual citizen has the chance today to take actions that will determine the Italian situation for becoming your own country's reality. The only way to stop this virus is to limit the exposure to the contagion. And the only way to limit the contagion is for millions of people to change their behavior immediately today. You need yep. to self-quarantine and not go to any public gatherings, stay out of your house. And he says, people are dropping dead on the street from heart attacks and lung failures in Milan. And he said, this is purposely not being covered. Do, yes. do, you, do you know about this? Absolutely. Yeah, I've been reading from a lot a lot of doctors, medical staff in Italy, and the situation is dire. It's um, just like you described, but many other examples of how bad it is. And and remember, this is after Italy locked down the country. So this is just the, the spillover from not taking action quickly enough. So I do want to say, Dave, all, these, all this time we've been hearing from the media and a lot of Trump supporters and conservatives who say something really stupid. They say, fear is bad. Fear is the worst thing. We don't want to have fear. Don't be fearful. We don't want to panic. Let me tell you something. Lack of fear has caused complacency. Fear is a survival mechanism. 
it compels you to take action to save your life. That's why we're hardwired for fear. The bigger risk in this pandemic is not being fearful early enough to take the action to stop the disaster from happening. So in fact, the media has contributed to the complacency, the lack of preparedness, the lack of action that will lead to panic and disaster. So that's what happened in Italy. There was a, there was a, a government person there who weeks ago had a campaign called Hug a Chinese Person. Have you seen that? No, I haven't. It was, it was a politically correct thing. It was like, stop discriminating against Chinese. Hug a Chinese person today. That was in Italy. And guess what? Guess what happens if you hug an infected person? Not that every Chinese person is infected, but that's where it started in China. Yeah, yeah. You hug them, you get the virus. And now Italy is on the verge of a, of a healthcare system collapse. But it's going to be okay, because come November, when we elect Joe Biden, he's got the answer. He said today the first step in stopping the coronavirus is to eliminate racism, and it's racist to identify the fact it came out of China. Are you there, Dave? Yeah, this is our leadership. Um, yeah, I think we just had a little interference, Mike. Yeah, I think so. Um, yeah, I dropped off. There. You dropped off, but we're here. Um, I want to respond to what you just said. I think I heard the last thing you said. And I said, uh, well, our problems are going to be solved when Joe Biden's elected. Because <laughs> he, he says that racism is the major cause of coronavirus and uh, we shouldn't be saying it comes from China. That's his that's his solution. Now, don't insane. you feel better? Don't you feel that's better? Insane. Look, Joe, Joe Biden is clinically insane. He's an Alzheimer's patient or dementia yeah. for the sake. I mean, just to have mercy on the old man take him out of the arena this is you know politically speaking this it's insane that he's running for president and but it tells you everything you need to know about the democrat party they're so corrupt this is the best candidate they can put forward someone who can barely remember what day it is it's unreal i, I know i i just i'm shaking my head at the stupidity going on here um and i look at well who was it falsy i think that's his name I saw him on TV yesterday, and he said something I want you to respond to. He was testifying before Congress in this news clip, and he said the death rate for the regular flu is 0.01%. The death rate is best we can determine, and he was really hesitant. For coronavirus, he said, is about 3%. Do you agree with those numbers? Well, I believe he actually said 0.1%, or 0.1%, or one-tenth of 1% for the regular flu. And then the WHO is claiming 3.4%. So that that would put the, the coronavirus at 34 times 34. Uh, more yeah. deadly. Yeah. yeah. So so uh, that is correct. Yes. And in Italy, remember the death rate is is over 5% now, uh, probably because they have a more aggressive strain there. There's been a lot of genetic mutation happening around the world. This type of virus mutates very quickly, thousands of times in each person. So remember, if you get it, your body not only becomes a factory to produce it, but also to mutate it. And so if, if you even try to map the mutations, I've seen actual science uh, hierarchy diagrams of this. There are already hundreds of mutations around the world. And it will mutate to find a more and more virulent strain. So in other words, people say, well, as it mutates, it's going to become more like the, the flu, the death rate's going to go down. Well, okay, maybe so, but the infection rate will go up because that's what survives the the transmission uh, scenarios. It's natural selection on the part of a virus, right? It's basic epidemiology. So it will become 
easier to catch, even if it becomes somewhat less deadly. But we're talking about mortality rates here that are an order of magnitude above the seasonal flu. And that's why people who say, well, it's just the flu, it's only killed, what, 5,000 people now around the world. Okay, well, these numbers are doubling every four days. So do the math, right? What do we, you know, I don't even know what to ask you next because there's such a, a range of stupidity in front of me. By what yeah, I'm seeing from the mainstream media, you know, and I have a bit of an advantage and I'm not sounding arrogant or I'm not on my pedestal, but I te I've taught research statistics. I've, I've written stat courses um, and I've taught it at a pretty high level. And so I look at this so and I can see the BS behind the lack of science. In fact, I had a discussion that went like this with a family member. Um, well, the experts are saying it's no worse than the flu, blah, blah, blah. Oh, really? What were the numbers they gave you? And did they give you a level of significance? What's that? Well, you know, point e uh, P equals less than 0.05. Uh, no, what's that? So I wrote an article yesterday where I actually wrote this out and how this works. Yeah. And and uh, uh, to me, see, if, if you have someone come on TV... I'm from the CDC, and this is my considered opinion. Bullcrap. I want to see your data. Until you show me data, all you have is a damn opinion. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I know. You, you start talking to people about, oh, you know, what's what's the curve fit of your projection, your quadratic equation or the standard deviations mm -hmm. off of this? Right. And the average person is like, what are you talking about? Uh, folks, this is everyday science, you know. This <laughs> this is those of us who have a science background like you and I do. Um this is the language that describes the modeling of real-world events, and and even even we have a hard time just mentally estimating how crazy this gets so quickly. And that's why I said the risk here is not panicking early enough. We should have been panicking in America three weeks ago, and the fact that we weren't, and the fact that people like us have been banned by every major platform that allowed America to slip into extreme complacency, which is going to end up killing maybe hundreds of thousands of additional people who did not have to die. When I see uh, yesterday people in New York City panicking to buy food, right? That was all over the media, all these photos of New York City people panicking to buy food. You know, the first thought that comes to my mind is, why now? You know, why, why weren't they buying food a month ago? And the answer is because they didn't, they didn't have any access to this information because of the censorship and the lies of the media and big tech that has been suppressing the truth about this from day one, by the way, which is why then people look at my website, Natural News, and then they're so shocked. Oh, my model predicts, you know, 283,000 deaths by July 4th right now. And they're like, no, that couldn't possibly be true. And then a week later, the CDC says, actually, it might be 1.7 million. You know, you know people... People panic when they've been disconnected from the information for such a long period of time. They haven't been able to absorb it and adjust to the reality that they need to accept. That's what causes panic, not sounding the alarm early. Yeah. Makes sense? Yeah, oh, perfectly. And in fact, let me say something to the groupthink disciples that are out there for a minute. Um, the bottom line is, is, is when you react to a virus in the first generation, this is something I didn't know, Mike. I had to... I'm not a virologist. I had to learn this from academic people I could call and talk to on the phone. And what they told me to a person is that um, 
your mutation rates when you go from one generation to the other. Generally, over time, you see a lessening of the death curve. You see right. a lessening of the transmissibility rate. And we're seeing the opposite. How is it not a bioweapon? Well, uh, again, the, 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 the typical divergence of this is, is that I've seen anyway is lower death rates but higher transmission uh, adaptation to the host. So right. the fact that this is a novel coronavirus, people forget novel means new to the human race. Humanity has never seen this before. Remember the old, the, the history lessons where they would, you would hear things, oh, the Spaniards came to uh, South America and they brought, you know, an infection or smallpox or something and it wiped out the natives, right? Well, that story is what's happening to the whole world right now. We are the natives and none of us on the planet have ever seen this novel coronavirus before. It's a brand new thing. So it's like we're being exposed to something that in the same way the native uh, Americans at that time were exposed to something and, and it wiped them out. So it's, it's the fact that immune systems across the board are also heavily, heavily compromised today by flu shots and pharmaceuticals. And if there's one big takeaway from this, Dave, it's that people who have been taking flu shots every year are more likely to die from the coronavirus because their immune systems are weaker. People who have had the flu and overcome it naturally have a stronger response, a stronger immune uh, practice or, or immune fitness, sometimes it's called. And also, when people take pharmaceuticals, it suppresses immune function and it depletes the body of nutrients that are used to fight infections. So when you take drugs, you deplete zinc, you deplete magnesium, and those are crucial right there. You deplete vitamins. Actually taking prescription drugs because they're all toxic. So your liver has to detox those drugs and your liver has to use up actual, actual molecules of, of, in some cases, antioxidants in your body. So a prescription drug can use up all your vitamin C. So you have to take extra vitamin C to compensate for that. So this is why a lot of people who are on prescription drugs and on uh, taking vaccines, this is, this is why the death rate is super high in the elderly, not because they're aged, but because they're all on medications. They're all taking vaccines. The nursing homes, every patient is on 10 drugs. That's why they're dying there, not just because of their chronological age. That is something I hadn't even considered. And I yeah. feel embarrassed to even admit it. I should have thought of this. Um, that is because I do know about immune system depletion with certain pharmaceuticals. Um, yes. Wow, I can't believe I missed that. Thank you for pointing that out. So um, what should people do that are elderly? I mean, can they really quit all their medications? I mean, if they're diabetic or they're heart patients, what, what do they do? Well, well, no, you don't, you don't, you don't just quit all your meds cold turkey. Um, we're kind of too late in the game to start teaching people, hey, work with a naturopath, change your diet, uh, slowly wean yourself off prescription drugs where you can, although some things are, you know, like thyroid drugs you can't really replace, or some people are on insulin. But I've also, I'm, you know, I've seen type 2 diabetics that they're on insulin, but they won't change their diet. So they'll eat ice cream and donuts and drink sodas. And then when you point out, hey, that stuff's giving you diabetes, they'll say, no worries, I just compensate with more insulin. So, well, I'm sorry to hear that. Been nice knowing you. Good luck with the pandemic, you know, because some, at some point, Dave, it, it's too late in the game to try to help people learn about food and health outcomes. <laughs> I mean, 
we're going to be overrun in some areas of America in in less than six weeks. So this is not the time for any of us. I'm not, I'm not wasting my time with anybody who who's calling me up. I've got family members right now, you know, like cousins and such. Like, what should I be doing with my diet? I'm like, dude. You should have had that conversation six months ago. Read my website and figure it out because this is not the time for me to be your nutritional consultant. You're way too late in the game. <laughs> I mean I've actually said that to people because the, the time is, is over for that. And there's a lot of people who just will never get it, will never – I mean understand what's happening and many of them will die. And there's nothing we can do to stop that right now. How does death occur? Well, first of all, it it rips apart your lung tissue, and it scars your lungs to the point where your lung cells no longer function to transfer oxygen to your to your arteries. So you suffocate, but it also attacks the nervous system, which is why we've seen videos of people suffering from seizures and near instant death. You've seen the videos of people die in 60 seconds, right? They're not actually dead in the 60 seconds, but all their muscles seize up. Their brain continues to function probably for three minutes or so. They'll lose consciousness, uh, but they, they, you know, eventually, but before then, they are very much aware that their whole body has seized up and they can't move and they can't breathe. The lungs will seize up. So eventually you die from lack of oxygen to the brain, of course, which is ultimately every, every death causes that, I, I suppose you could argue. But it's a, it's a very fast death, but it's a torturous death. It's like, being suffocated to death from the inside. And, and keep that in mind when people say the worst thing is fear. No, no. The worst thing, you know what's worse than fear? Is being eaten alive by viruses from inside your lungs. That's way worse than fear. So all these idiots out there saying, oh, fear is the worst thing. Um, okay, maybe you should rethink that. Fear is not the worst thing. Once it's in your lungs, is there anything you can do? Well, yeah. Yeah, a lot, a lot that you can do. And by the way, I'm sorry if I – I don't mean to sound condescending to the audience or anything. I'm just – there's no time for me to I try to I share your frustration. Correct. I mean, yeah. what's that old saying? Lead a horse to water, but you can't make him think? <laughs> yeah, you know? exactly. Kind of, it's kind of where we're at. Exactly. Um, so um, well, what, what can you do so, once it's in your lungs? Well, first of all, if, it's, if, it's, if you become symptomatic in a serious condition, and right now, remember, about roughly about – 82% of the people only get to mild conditions, so four out of five people. Uh, another, you know, the other 18% or so become either serious or critical. If you get to critical, your survival chances drop to about 6%. If you are in serious, uh, just depending on the study, your survival chances are still very, very poor. Uh, you might have a 25% of surviving. But the things that I would do, even though you know I can't give medical advice to individuals, but I would start inhaling vaporized colloidal silver and and hydrogen peroxide. And look, it's 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 easy to do. People can go out; they can buy an essential oil diffuser, and in that diffuser, which you can get for twelve dollars on Amazon, they're still available. You can pour in, let's say, a three percent hydrogen peroxide solution, add a few drops of iodine, and then if you've got some uh, ionic silver or colloidal silver, very small particles, uh, pour some of that solution in there. Just remember, this is this is experimental medicine. Okay, this is you should do it under the guidance of a naturopath. This is last. Di this is ditch medicine. Okay, <laughs> this is like if you're infected and the hospitals are full, you don't have any options. Maybe consider this. But I would inhale that, 
and I would then be slamming all the antiviral herbs and, and vitamin C and all these other things and then get plenty of sleep. Stop eating inflammatory foods because they inflame your lungs. So, you know, stop drinking soda, stop eating fried foods, all those things. There's a lot you can do after you're infected, a lot. That's a good list, and um, I'm going to have to come back and listen to this and take notes in case I'm ever victimized here. What about people that have respiratory illnesses? Let's say maybe you have seasonal asthma or you're chronic asthma. What, what, t- tell me how this will affect these people differently than the average person who isn't. Okay, great question. There are two things to know about that. Many cases of people who suffer from asthma, not all, but many, are actually caused by two things. Uh, chronic dehydration, lack of water, and inflammatory foods. So I've seen people who have been diagnosed as having asthma. They drink soda and they eat french fries. And then they change their diet and they start drinking clean water. And guess what? Oh, the asthma goes away. So you didn't really have asthma. What you had was your body creating a mucus reaction to toxic foods. And that was diagnosed as asthma. And, and a lack of a lack of hydration. I'm sure you've seen this too, Dave, because you you work with in the past you work with many students and you know high school and college kids and so on. Their diets are atrocious, right? Yes. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And you can kind of get away with that when you're young, but the older you get, then the more the more those foods take a toll in terms of of causing mucus buildup in the lungs. And the thing is, when you're dealing with a pandemic like this, if you have an existing cofactor such as asthma or respiratory uh, distress or even high blood pressure, then your chances of dying from this really go much, much higher. So once again, if you ever needed a time, listeners, if you ever needed an excuse to start eating healthy or clean up your diet or stop drinking soda or whatever it is that you're doing that's highly inflammatory, this is it. It can save your life. Not a joke. I mean, I'm eating turmeric, I'm taking spirulina, I'm doing Indian foods, I bought these online Indian foods called Tasty Bite, which are these kind of MRE pouches of all these different Indian foods with chickpeas and these exotic spices. Uh, those are actually anti-inflammatory, even though they're, they're spicy, but they actually clear mucus in the lungs. And Chinese medicine is good for this, a lot of Chinese medicine formulas, including formulas that contain cinnamon bark, which is also good for blood sugar. Many other things that people can do, but this is a good time to, to really get healthy. Yeah, I would say so. So let's say that someone says, okay, I'm going to clean up my act. No more sodas, no more French fries and hamburgers, and I'm going to drink lots of water. Okay? Yeah. How, yep. long, how long does it, the average person take to see a turnaround to work to help them fight off something like the coronavirus? Well, you're, the, the correct answer comes down to how quickly your body replaces your blood cells. So your blood cells are made of the stuff that you're eating. And blood cells, you know, die off every day and you urinate them out and then you're making new blood cells. And so your bones are making blood and the bones are using the material that's in your blood from digestion in order to make new blood cells. So the first day that you do this, you start making cleaner blood. That's the key. I've been trying to explain this to people for many, many years. You want to clean up your body, clean up your blood. And, and what makes your blood? Things you eat and drink and absorb or smoke. That's it. It's not magic. It's, it's, it's chemistry. It's physiology. So you can start having a cleaner body the very next meal. And you can revolutionize the cleanliness of your blood supply in about 7 to 10 days. 
Okay. Yeah. So people hearing this now should realistically expect that most of them will have a chance to reverse this. Absolutely. And the key is to start right now. Just just start with your next meal. You know, if you've I, there are there are people who are the junk food preppers out there, and they they think prepping means buying toilet paper, uh, Dr Pepper, and Cheetos. <laughs> and you know, I was like, well, now I understand why you need all that toilet paper. Finally, that it's starting to make sense to me. <laughs> but it's insane, you know. I mean, you should see my preparedness. It's it's uh, you know raw almonds. I've got a hundred pounds of almonds and, and cashews. I've got uh, free range organic frozen beef patties. You know, I've got, I've got meat, I've got potatoes, I've got spices and herbs. I, I don't have anything that's processed, you know, no processed food. We have lettuce, broccoli, and tomatoes. We grow them in our garden. There you go. All good stuff. And, People can grow herbs. You know, here's the thing. You could start sprouting today. You could have sprouts in 72 hours. You know, <laughs> you could literally grow anti-cancer food in 72 hours. Those, it's broccoli sprouts. Or you could you could start some kitchen herbs today, and you could have antiviral herbs like basil, or uh, oregano, or all kinds of other things. Rosemary, what have you? Cilantro. You could have these things in. You know, starting 30 days, you can start harvesting some small leaves and things like that. So you can grow medicine for free, basically. Well, I led you into this on purpose, and here's why. I, You know, I don't do a lot. I do as little as I can, although I just had surgery. But I do as little as I can with major medical uh, for all the right reasons. But yeah. I've been telling people, if, if you're insulin dependent and you need heart medication... Go see your doctor and see if he'll give you a supply for six months. Yes. Because that's what you're going to need if we're shut down, if we can't go out of our house in two weeks. And uh, people are coming back and almost universally saying, my doctor will do it, but the insurance company won't honor the request. They're only going to give me 30 yep. days. So what you're saying here are there are replacements for these conditions. Well, well. Replacement perhaps therapies. it depends on the person. Yeah, it depends on the person. And this is, this is a very bad time to start trying to, to get off of pharmaceuticals. It's, again, it's, it's really late in the game. Your doctor is already probably being inundated by panicked people over the coronavirus, and the pharmacies are being overrun, and the supply lines from China are shutting down for the pharmaceuticals. So if you have chosen a pharma lifestyle, that is, you go to the pharmacy every day and you buy you know, another prescription, you're there many times a week loading up on prescriptions, and this is what controls your your blood pressure and controls your mental state and controls your erections and controls everything. Then, you know, you're going to have to probably go through this pandemic with a lot of disruptions on your pharmaceutical lifestyle. The, but, it, you know, it, it's really – I mean, I'm sorry to say it, Dave. It's, it's, it's too late for people to, to make that transition if they have chosen that lifestyle. It's a – it's a very toxic lifestyle. Drugs make you sicker, not healthier. And people who've chosen that lifestyle, you know, choices have consequences, just like Obama used to say, right? Elections have consequences. Remember when he was trying to ram something down America's throat? He would say elections have consequences. Well, your health choices have consequences. And all the choices yeah. people have made over the last two years have an aggregate effect. And here we are. Okay, so 
you should do what you can do, but you can't make it a science because there's not the time. I hear that, and it's what you said came through loud and clear. Now, let's go to the macro level. Now, leave the micro level behind for a second. All right. And let's take a look at what you expect Trump to do. I'll give you a prediction, comment on it, and then I'm going to let you run with this. All right. I think he's going to have travel bans domestically to places like California and Washington. Absolutely. 100%. It will happen. Bank on it. Uh, he will declare a national emergency. He will deploy the military in certain roles, hopefully the border <laughs> first. You know, stop stop the illegal immigration that's carrying diseases into sanctuary cities. That's a key issue. Uh, he may deploy the military in a support role to increase um, surveillance testing. In other words, massive diagnostic testing of the American people, especially in cities that are hardest hit. But also, and this is where we start to slip into scenarios that I would call martial law, which is uh, maintaining order in liberal left-wing cities that are on the verge of collapse. So it's not difficult to see Portland, Seattle, San Francisco, Los Angeles becoming war zones. And I mean that, actual war zones, where the police get infected, they go home. The firefighters get infected, they go home. Nobody's responding to calls. The gangs just go insane. Antifa rises up, bombing government buildings. You're going to have the military or the guard for sure, but maybe military support. I don't know what Trump will, how far he will go on this. We'll see. But I would not be surprised that over the summer we have essentially a state of domestic warfare in Los Angeles. I wouldn't be surprised at that either. But the bottom line is it's going to be all leftist blue cities. And I'll give you one more piece of information that I'm getting from around the country from people who follow me. Um, Roadblocks, checkpoints are now beginning to appear outside major metropolitan areas. They appear to be in construction, um, but there's actually some construction leading up to it. I'll give you one. Uh, had a phone conversation with a guy, um, and he's about as tech as I am, and so he couldn't get me a photo. He's going to work on it. But north of Las Vegas on I-15, uh, they have put in a checkpoint, like guardhouse, and they have yep. put median dividers in. So if they're going to do a <laughs> checkpoint, say for vaccines, you can't get out and turn around. And, yeah. and I know the drills. They did the drills as long as 11 years ago where they put the chase cars on the wings and then and, and they run people down and it's a vaccine checkpoint. See, this is why preparedness is so crucial because the way to not get nabbed and thrown into a FEMA quarantine death camp is to don't go out on the roads. There you so go. If you can stay home because you've got your preps, you've got your food, you've got you know your medicine, let's say, water filters, everything, you're set. You can hunker down for... 60 days, because this is going to be about an eight-week shutdown is what it's looking like now, then you're not going to be on the roads where they're catching people and nabbing them and, and taking your temperature and maybe their their thermometer isn't calibrated today, and wham, all of a sudden you're in a quarantine center. Well, guess what? You shouldn't be on the freaking roads. You should You should be hunkered down at home, guarding your stuff against looters. That's what you should be doing. I don't mean to sound, again, I'm not trying to be argumentative or condescending. It's just, this is prepping 101 folks right and most of your listeners are probably already at, at this point where they get it and they're they're well prepared but a lot of americans have no clue what prepping means which is why they're buying all this toilet paper and nothing else <laughs> it's it's i think they should change the state flag of washington to like an obese man in a costco with a shopping cart 
overflowing with, with toilet paper and not another item in the cart. No food, <laughs> no vitamin C, nothing. Just toilet paper. It's insane. I know. They're going to find the dead bodies with Twinkie wrappers around them and toilet paper on the periphery. Um, yeah, that's yeah, right. It, it, it is crazy, but we are in the crisis we're in, and I agree with you. Why would you... I know why people want to go to work, but there's a point where we have to act like it's Omega Man movie with Charlton Heston. we got to just stay in. Well, and you're absolutely right. And also, you you need to flip a mental switch with your mindset. So I've been talking to people just privately. I haven't mentioned this publicly yet, but, you know, I train with a lot of special forces people. And uh, one of one of my former instructors contacted me last night. He's like, look, I, I may need to bug out of this city where I am right now. He's out in California. I need to bug out. Can I come to you know, one of your properties or um, you know, a, your ranch or whatever? And my answer is absolutely, because one good special forces operator can defeat hundreds of zombies. So the answer is yes. <laughs> bring your AR. I'll, I'll have ammo. Um, bring your night vision. You're going to run patrol, and I'm going to give you food and shelter for you and, and your wife and your kids. So these kinds of conversations are actually starting to happen. And I'm just very fortunate that I've trained with so many people who are assault fighters, who, who literally assaulted buildings in Afghanistan for a living. And I'm going to be surrounded by those guys and with my own skills on top of that. But the average American is afraid of a Glock. And they don't know, oh, my God, a gun. Guns kill people. Um, okay, well, if, if that's where you are today, good luck. But the rest of us, we're going to be running uh, patrols, comms, night vision. We're going to be guarding our stuff. We're going to be uh, uh, having overlapping fields of fire. You know, we've got this figured out, but the average American is clueless. Um, are you training? Well, not right now. No, I'm working on my uh, silver production. I'm doing industrial scale silver, but I've I've already done so much training over the last ten years. I can pick up any weapon system, any platform, run it, uh, fix it, clear it, anything that's necessary. I, I, those skills to me now are like riding a bike. Okay. Well, I'm training, so I just and I encourage people. And I've I've been through it before, but it's been a long time, and you know you do get rusty. You really do. And uh, I'm lucky I've got a couple of neighbors that fit the bill, which you're describing. Yeah. One, one of them lives yeah. th three doors down from me. And, and we're on acre and a half, two acre properties out here where I live in the middle of nowhere, one way in, one way out. And we're isolated, so that's good. But but I have I have a couple of uh, ex-Special Forces guys out here that know their way around a gun. There you go. You're definitely going to need that. And, you know, the, the, the good news is for all of us who live a little bit outside the cities or more rural areas – you know, the real issues are going to be in the cities, for sure. It's very unlikely. I, I've run models on this just mentally. It's very unlikely that during this lockdown, uh, looters or thieves will have much success in the rural areas because they will be either swept up by the National Guard on the roads or they will be shot and killed by ranchers very, very quickly. The issues are going to be in the cities. So if you have an apartment in a city, city goes under quarantine, guess what? You can't leave. And now you're surrounded by unprepared zombies who are infected. So it, it really becomes like like a B-grade zombie sci-fi dystopian Hollywood movie uh, very quickly. <laughs> like, what is that? Uh, the Walking Zombie? What's that show on 
Well, uh, Night of the Living Dead or something like that. Yeah, The Walking Dead. Or Walking Dead. That is. That's it. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, that's been a real popular show. There's a there's a strong metaphor there that actually applies here, which is you're going to have infected masses of unprepared, starving individuals who are lumbering through the streets, and if you touch their blood, then you get infected. So <laughs> it's actually a zombie movie now, uh, coming to life in a country where the average person can barely survive to to the next paycheck. Let's take a minute and do some speculating. Well, and, and I admit it's speculation, but I don't know if you've ever heard me tell the story. I, I had a real good friend in FEMA who showed up. This is my last year of coaching college basketball, 2012. He shows up in preseason time waiting for me at my office, he and his wife. And uh, he, I did not know he was counter bioterrorism. I just knew he worked for FEMA. And uh, we used to hang out together a lot, and he told me he was bugging out. And I said, why? He said, I'm a brown shirt. I know what kind of bioweapons exist, and I am um, a liability to these people legally. And he goes, there's a number of us who are bugging out. We've prepared our own community, and I can't tell you where it's at. And yeah. I just knew it was somewhere in the southeast. And he did bug out. And I said, well, what do you think is coming? What, what's so bad? This is 2012. Now, Obama's reelected, okay, or this actually, we had this conversation a month before the election, but it was really clear he was going to be reelected. And he said, uh, populism. He said, forget what you're seeing in this election, which is nothing. He said, the people I talk to want to kill the populism that's rising in this country. They want nothing but globalism. And he went through, he told me all the things they had. This is the first time I ever really learned that race-specific bioweapons were real. Uh -huh. and that they came out of Israel and we partnered with them. We can drop it from the sky on populations. Uh, we can distribute any number of ways. He said, we have things we can do that the rest of the world this time does not know. Uh -huh. and, and I'll tell you this, uh, I'll jump ahead now. I'll jump ahead to what Alexander Daly and I have been doing on our research. We got Hunter Biden taking F-35 technology to the Chinese, okay, through a subsidiary right. of Burisma, okay? I'm telling you, Mike, in my gut, I can feel it. If I had search warrant capabilities, if I had subpoena power, I guarantee you we'd find he gave bioweapons to the Chinese and this is what was released. Yep. I, I absolutely agree that, that that's the kind of thing that they would do. They, they don't care how many people they kill as long as they can selectively destroy Trump and America and create a, a crisis that they can use as an opportunity. So even if there's, if the whole global banking system craters, they will use that too. Yeah. They'll seize everybody's assets and then they'll, they'll form a new global government with a new global cryptocurrency. You know, the Mark Zuckerberg world spying money system, your wallet is, you know, controlled by some EU bureaucrats or something. They'll use everything to enslave humanity. There's no doubt in my mind that's part of what's behind this. They, they, they dropped this on China, right? they gave it to China, uh, allowed it to get released, and then uh, knowing there'd be blowback on the United States and knowing the U.S. would not be ready. And then the CDC withheld the testing kits for a month in order to make it worse. And then Sacramento County, California, deliberately releasing high-risk people into the population, yeah. saying that we're not even going to do containment anymore. You saw that. Yeah. That's insane. Yeah, you wrote about that uh, recently, and that's exactly right. And it is insane. But see, it speaks to the agenda. See, there's an agenda. There's Democrats, and then there's deep state, deep state Democrats. And there's Pelosi, there's Schumer, there's that group. They're deep state Democrats. Feinstein, 
they're in bed with the communist Chinese. I think they concocted this plot together. This bad economy that's coming takes Trump out of office, potentially. The yep. Chinese get to thin out their herd and don't have to feed uh, or put as much of their GDP into feeding their population. They don't care how many of their own they kill. And then you've got here in America, you destabilize this country. The globalists love it. You take down the economy. The Democrats get Trump out of office. Yep. This is why I that's think Hunter Biden sent these bioweapons through Rosemont Seneca LLC. I believe he sent them to the Chinese the same time he sent the F-35 technology. This, and I maintain this was their doomsday weapon. See, we, I warned about this in 2012. Uh, I, I had a whole big uh, meme and articles called Stop Out of Control Science. And I said that this, yeah. this kind of weapon system, biological weapons, has to be stopped because it's self-replicating and you can never trace the origin. So it can be released in any city in the world. And then the very structure of uh, transportation of modern society will, of course, uh, amplify that to every city in the world and every town eventually. And you don't know the origins. You can't tell where it came from. And I, I know you were just speaking to that, but let me offer this additional explanation. You know, if North Korea launches a nuke and detonates uh, an EMP surge over America, we can trace that launch to North Korea. We know who did it. You know, a nuclear attack or a kinetic attack, you always know who is attacking you. This kind of attack, you have no clue. No one can trace it back because the virus has already mutated. But we, we still have enough information to know it was engineered, but we can't say who actually dropped it on the population yet. We, we'll, we'll never know that. And, and they're counting on that. They know that this is a weapon that can never be traced back to its real origins. That's what's frightening. Well, Mike, we're just about out of time. I wanted to give you just a moment here to talk about how people can follow your terrific work because you are at the tip of the spear on what's going on. Well, we're putting everything now at pandemic.news. So everything, the, the podcast, the videos, articles, science, posts, everything, pandemic.news is the site. Uh, most of that's taken off of naturalnews.com. It's a little bit faster to get posted to natural news. But the bottom line, look, we've talked about a lot of critical things here. I just want people to know this is survivable if you can get away from people. So you don't have to die from this. I'm not going to die from it. Most people who are informed and use nutrition won't die. The bigger issue then becomes how do you survive the unprepared panic masses who are near you? And this is why you should bug out or consider it. Get away from the cities as soon as you can. Exactly. And not everyone can live where we're living and we're blessed to be doing so. But you're exactly right. I would not be living in a city right now. I would rent a room in the country right now and commute until Heck I yeah. can no longer do so. I, I know this is what people think. Well, it's too big a sacrifice. Well, what's your life worth? Mike, I want to thank you for coming on. It's uh, Newstarget.com and NaturalNews.com is where you want to go to follow Mike's great articles. He's got a great staff of writers. Mike, just a personal note. Check your text message later today. I'm going to send you something on Pandemic US and uh, Zoom, and we'll, we'll get all that stuff straightened out. So, Mike, okay. again, uh, terrific hour with you. Appreciate you being here. To everybody else, um, hey, prep, get ready. And, Mike, thanks. We'll talk to you soon. All right. Thank you, Dave. Be safe.